and welcome to the Valiant Central Podcast with just me. It's just Martin this week. We haven't uh, gotten together recording quite a while, but we're gearing up to make our triumphant return to Valiant Podcasting. Just a lot going on. You know, COVID's really messed up things for a lot of people. I'll be honest. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, I'm happy that we're going to be coming back today. I will be bringing you an interview that I did with Bloodshot writer Tim Seeley, in which we talked about the inspiration for the book, how it is working in the industry with this uh, all this crazy stuff going on, and uh, what we can expect from Bloodshot in the coming months. So very excited to bring the interview to you guys. There will be another one next week. I'm not going to ruin the surprise, so stay tuned for that. But before I play the interview, I wanted to briefly mention... The Bloodshot number 7 fully loaded edition that came out yesterday. Uh, I want to know if you guys picked it up or not. I'm very curious. I was looking over the book and I, I really enjoyed the issue. I really enjoyed Bloodshot 7. And uh, I think it brings the character into a new direction. But I want to talk about the additional content because uh, it's kind of an interesting book to release right now. And I wanted to share a couple of thoughts on that before I play the interview. Because it's obvious to me that this was meant to be a tie-in for the movie. Obviously, you have a Vin Diesel cover, so if you're a collector, you might want to get that. If you're a Vin Diesel fan, you might want to get that. But I was really curious as to what would be inside the book that would really make it different and set it apart. And I have to – I'm going to be perfectly honest on the podcast always. Part of me is a little disappointed. Part of me is really excited for this book, and, and there's a reason for that. You know, when, when the solicit came out for the fully loaded edition, obviously it talks about the initial content and the commentary and all this stuff. And that's something that I really love in comics. I wish more comments had additional back matter. And, and I understand that that's kind of maybe not feasible with, uh, with the way comic pricing works, with the cost, the additional cost of printing extra pages and, you know, getting a creator to add additional material in there. I understand that that's not feasible for every issue. And sure, you know, many times when an indie book comes out, a creator-owned book comes out, there are – the creators do put back matter in there. Uh, in fact, I've been catching up on Undiscovered Country recently from Image Comics, and there's a ton of back matter in every single issue. There's, uh, you know, there's a chronology of events. There's some quotes, so you kind of get a feel for what's going on in this world. Uh, fiction quotes, of course, from fictional characters in, in the story that we never meet. And then there's some nice commentary from the creators, uh, you know, two or three pages, uh, a letter kind of explaining the the reasoning behind the story and all this kind of stuff. And and I love that. I love that kind of material because it, it gives an added incentive for a reader to pick up a story. And in many respects, I, I almost wish that Bloodshot 7 would have only been a fully loaded edition. In particular, now that the movie's been out for quite a while, and you know, Tim and I talk a little bit about this when we do the interview, so I don't want to spoil that. But the movie came out at kind of a, a tough time. You know, it's basically the the weekend of the lockdowns is when when the Bloodshot movie came out, and it's it's done fairly well in in the VOD market. So it's not like the movie wasn't necessarily successful, but it could have been much more successful. And if this book had come out when the movie came out, I think that might have been a different story. I, I do find it hard to 
make sense of why just a regular comic reader would pick up something like a fully loaded edition, but maybe it's not for those people. It's for the hardcore Valiant fans and for the collectors to pick up. Now, in terms of the back matter itself, I would say it's pretty good. I, I enjoy the commentary from Tim Seeley on kind of the breakdown of a particular page. I wish we would see more of that. Uh, one of the things that I always love seeing is artist editions, and I know that's very tough, especially now with the way the market is, to do that kind of thing. But uh, I, I hope that even if it's just in a trade, we start seeing a lot more of this kind of material. Because I think there are people that really love comics, that love knowing how those comics are created. And, and this kind of commentary definitely gives you that feel. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the writer all the time. It could be an artist. But uh, you know, seeing breakdowns of like starting from a sketch to what the that particular section of the script looks like and things like that. I think there are many people who would love seeing that kind of thing. In particular as the market gets crazier and crazier because it gives you the additional value. Uh, with all that said, I loved the the commentary from Kevin Van Hook in the full loaded edition. I thought that was fantastic to hear some of these old stories about how the characters created and and why there's like a cameo in in uh, Eternal Warrior 4 even though Eternal Warrior 5 is the first real appearance of uh, of the book. And I don't want to spoil it because it's it's a cool story and I'm sure if you're a a hardcore Valiant fan, you might be already familiar with the story. Uh, I know that I was. But it was cool having a creator that was so deeply involved in creating this character uh, kind of give that commentary. So with that said, I, I enjoyed the additional stuff. If you already own it, I'm not sure really it's something that you need to pick up. But I do hope that Valiant gives this additional value in the comics at some point in the future. Uh, even if it's not in every issue, I would love to see something like this even at the end of an arc or in the beginning of an arc where we get introduced to kind of who the characters are, what the players are, and uh, and some of the, the process behind creating the book. I love that kind of stuff. So let me know if you agree. I would love to hear it. You can find me on Twitter at Geekvine. Of course, the show is at Valiant underscore Central. And if you want to get in touch with Travis, he's at The Great Magnet, and Dewan is at Collect Valiant. Without further ado, here's our discussion with myself and Tim Seeley. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, we're gonna just get right into it, Tim. I'm uh, I'm really happy to be finally talking to you because I've followed your work for forever, and for some reason oh, I've never it. I've never met you at a convention. I don't know why. Um, I, I do a lot of conventions. Well, I did a lot of conventions, so uh, I'm 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 around. I must not have just been very uh, compelling. That's all. That's boring. <laughs> Didn't want to bother. I understand. No, I think actually I saw you once. I don't remember what convention it was. But you had a line, and I was like, ah, I'll just come back later, and uh, just never got a chance to do it. So, But I'm happy that we actually get to talk now. Uh, I've loved your work for, for many, many years. I'm a huge fan of Revival, and uh, I know you've got a lot of interesting stuff going on right now. So uh, let's just kind of get right into it. Uh, I, I kind of sure. want to start with uh, – I don't know how Greg uh, happy Greg will be on this, but I want to start a little bit with just getting your impression – of the the general feel of things right now, uh, I know uh, things may not look the best, but as someone yeah. that you know does work with uh, you know the big two and with Valiant, Aftershock, heavy metal, all kinds of things, you have big two work and independent work. 
uh, just give me some some general impressions of your feelings on the market right now. I mean, I, I think comics are still selling. I think you know people are looking for um, entertainment escapism, and I think comics are selling. I think bookstore market got a big bump when the shutdown happened. Actually, um, the problem is is that companies like Marvel and DC um, have crappy uh, corporate structures around themselves, and they are affected by things that are not comics. So, you know. Disney not being able to open Disneyland and Disney World uh, made Marvel make less comics. And Warner Brothers botching the HBO launch uh, made Warner, you know, made DC have to lay people off. Um, you know, my other books, my other company stuff, my independent books all got a sales boost, uh, probably partially because Marvel and DC aren't shipping as many books. Uh, yeah. So people are checking out other stuff. Um, I, I don't know, Valiance numbers... Um, Specifically, and I know they were they were shut down a little longer than my other books were, um, but I would imagine that might be true as well. But you know, the problem with comics—it's the same problem with the entire country—is <laughs> that everything is set up around an immediate payoff. There's never any money or any sort of uh, investment put into any kind of infrastructure or for a rainy day. Everyone wants their cut now, and that's true of the politicians and the rich people, and it's true of the people who run the comic book industry. And the distribution problems were apparent in this industry for 25 years, and no one did anything uh, because they just wanted to make sure they got their money now. And now it's biting us in the ass. And, and you know, this wouldn't have to be this way, and these companies could have done a better job, uh, but they didn't. So it, it makes us suffer, and they have to lay off their staff. And, um, you know, it's all done to ser in service of the the corporate masters so they can get the, their stockholders to, to get their percentage, you know? Yeah it's, yeah. it's a bummer. It's sad. Yeah. I was just, uh, I just left a, a corporate job after being there for many years for similar reasons. And obviously not everyone's in a position where they can do that kind of thing, you know? But, uh, yeah. I, th I think it is interesting the way that we structure just everyday normal. And, uh, when something happens that just disrupts it completely the way people react to it like it's something brand new that wasn't expected um i think in in yeah. some respects though i i know that the news around comics is kind of grim uh to a large degree but i do feel I, I always try to be positive you know and i do feel like through all this stuff the industry will find a way to adapt to the changing landscape because the thing is the the industry should have adapted 30 years ago, right? And we've just kind of been right. putting it yeah. off. And I mean, the, the books sell. That's I, That, I guess, is the sort of the most frustrating part is sales of books have gone up over the yeah. last 15, 20 years. You know, I mean, it's not... People have this weird perception that, like, that comics aren't selling, and that's not true. They, they've, sold, they've sold better every year. Yeah. Um, since, you know, the 2000 era crash, like, crash was bad, but we've been building up since then. New audiences, new markets. The books sell better. I mean, I know this, and I hate when people argue with me on this, because <laughs> they... Um, but, like, you know, you'll see these kind of the complaints. Uh-oh, I think I you lost know. you. They, they... Hello? Okay, there you are. You're back. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, I mean, there's just this perception that because some people think they're not getting the exact comics they want, that the industry must be dead and that women don't buy comics or 
or whatever. It's so stupid because those people do buy comics and they were saved in the industry. Uh, and, you know, the, if we had taken better advantage of this and, and you know, did uh, different distribution deals and tried to get into more mainstream uh, venues for a long time, I mean, it would be such a different scenario. But now it's, uh, you know, we're suffering for being the, you know, just wanting our cash now and, and checking out. Yeah, and I think uh, I think there are companies that kind of focus more on comics, right? Obviously, you, you have a lot of creator-owned work, and you, you do stuff with Valiant. Uh, but, you know, a company like Aftershock, where they do have the potential of creating movie properties out of the books, uh, the focus is still really on the books, right? And and you don't have the, the separate overhead of having to maintain different divisions. And I think that does have a, a deep impact into the way they proceed with the business. Yeah, I mean, I, it could have gone, I mean, I, the Valiant situation is kind of similar to that because of, you know, the, the, there was a lot um, sort of weighing on that Bloodshot movie and it, it was released the weekend of the massive shutdown. So yeah. it's like, you know, when you have these uh, really, you know, global sort of problems and, and you're relying on something like a film release, like it can really mess things up. I mean, obviously in the movie, I think, you know, found an audience on VOD and, and um, and it probably has legs that way that it you know other films don't so um, but you know the, I was writing a Bloodshot comic and it was supposed to tie into a movie that it kind of didn't have the big release that it needed you know it's it's crazy it's just that's that that's the weird business model that, <laughs> that a lot of companies do you know yeah 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 no that's true. Uh, now I know that you you have some characters from the movie that are supposed to be tying into the book at some point. Uh, I'm curious if there was any um, like advanced knowledge from you when you began working on Bloodshot as to making a connection between the comic universe and the movie universe, even if the two were to remain separate. Yeah, we knew from the beginning, at least tonally, we knew for sure that we wanted it to feel tonally sort of like the film. So. I knew, you know, early on um, last summer already, like kind of, I didn't read the script or anything, I didn't, they didn't give me that, but I got a breakdown of what the story was and I got a breakdown of uh, kind of the influences and some of the concept art. Um, so I knew when I started writing the series that like, you know, lean a little bit in that direction. This is what the movie's going to be like, so let's kind of make the comic that way. And, you know, we got yeah. pretty close. I think it it was a you know big um, summer blockbuster type action movie. And so that's what we did. Uh, and then when the opportunity to, to you know, use characters in the film came up, it actually tied in really nicely with my storyline because the, the storyline that ended with issue eight, um, or, you know, was a perfect sort of uh, encapsulation of that particular arc. And then the next one, it was easy to bring in the other cast members. So um, and I'm, I'm happy to do that kind of stuff because, it you know, um, if, it, if readers who love the movie can – stop in and pick up the comic, that's great. I mean, I want them to be able to do that, you know. So uh, especially it was supposed to come out on free comic day in May, and, and it didn't, and the movie was supposed to come out that weekend, and obviously things got screwed up. So, um, But I think it, it's still, you know, it's, it's there for those readers to, to uh, always um, have a way in. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I was actually looking over the, uh, the Newsarama article with regards to Bloodshot 8, and... Uh, I actually had a question for you because you have a quote on sure. here. It uh, says that you basically wanted Bloodshot to be a big, apolitical, stakes-filled action comic. 
and and I can totally understand the reasoning behind it. But I'm curious now that you are. I mean, I don't know how far along you are in the script, how far ahead you are in the script. But now that there's going to be, we have seven, eight issues out now, uh, including the zero. Do you feel like if you continue on this book in the long term, that a character like Bloodshot, with the themes that you dive into, uh, I mean, you know, with uh, with the first arc, for example, you have this kind of like hidden Illuminati army kind of thing. Uh, is it possible to really keep Bloodshot as an apolitical character with some of the like military covert stuff that the character deals with? Yeah, and I, I'm surprised I ever said apolitical because I now I look at it it's like I didn't do that. I mean, that's not what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I must yeah. have said it, but I didn't do it. Um, but no, I mean, I think I don't know. Like, you know, in the first issue we have him uh, in Yemen, and we we sort of deal with the mercenaries and 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 um, you know uh, armies for hire. Like that's instantly political. Everything is political. So I guess I'm kind of surprised I would say that. Um, but I think you know my original thinking was just do something that didn't. Um, didn't necessarily need to be tied to, you know, one's particular beliefs about one particular individual. That I did try to avoid. Um, but, but it is like, you know, it, he's a character who sort of encapsulates the the era to some degree, right? He's a a, a very dangerous weapon that probably needs to be contained. But, you know, uh, but he's always trying to to fix things and and trying to fix his own uh, guilt and and sort of inherently often makes things more dangerous. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, and especially the, the technological aspects of it, I think the film did it too, you know, where you're sort of asking questions about um, the ethics of, of you know, uh, making someone fight a war that they didn't sign up to fight. And um, so, I mean, I think that stuff is always there. It's, it's sort of impossible not to say something about that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's also not a, like, I didn't. I also didn't want to do something. Uh, I think Jeff's approach to the book uh, Lemire was to be like he, he did a sort of a treatise on gun violence, and it was sort of about you know American violence and, and all that sort of thing. And that character is a really good way to explore that. But I didn't feel like I needed like Jeff, Jeff did a pretty good exploration of that there wasn't a reason to for me to do it too, you know. And so I was going to do something some, a different. It's a, it's a different conversation. Sure, but you definitely have that motif in there, right? Uh, in the current arc with the burned, there's a lot of bloodshot questioning whether he really needs to be on the field, right? I mean, that's kind of how issue seven ends when uh, yeah. when they're in that uh, the black bar uh, base and you have all the monsters laying around. He's like, well, maybe he should just kind of hang out here and not bother going back out into the world. Right, um, yeah. I I, I yeah, do like I do like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like that. And I the reason that I ask is, you know, I've been reading Valiant for decades, uh, since the early nineties. And and I know that there's many other Valiant fans I mean, I'm sure you've met many of Valiant fan at conventions and, and talked to them on Twitter or whatever. Uh you know, Valiant fans are a very special breed of people. And uh True. they're very opinionated <laughs> in uh in how they like their books to be. And yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's a place in comics where um, you know, you can tell fun stories, but at the same time, I think sometimes the the industry loses a little bit of focus in not realizing that there's a lot of, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old men reading comics and you don't always just want like the, just the fun stuff. Right. And so how, how do you 
find a balance. I mean, I go the other way. I, I, I think, you know, when you're doing superhero stuff, I think the, the problem is, is that you can't serve just these old guys. Right. Uh, I mean, I think the Valiant stuff, because it, it doesn't, you know, it, it does skew a little bit older because it doesn't, it, it was never a kid's cartoon. There's never been a Saturday morning, uh, you know, Axel Manowar show or a lunchbox with bloodshot. So, uh, so, you know, Obviously, Marvel and DC created characters. All of their superheroes were created for kids originally. Yeah. And um, part of that problem that I keep talking about, this sort of lack of uh, preparation and sort of uh, investment, was that they just got comfortable selling to the same audience that didn't want to shake anything up. And so they made comics impenetrable and uninteresting un, uh, to kids. Uh, and, and so, you know, Marvel and DC books rarely, if ever, sell to children. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's a huge problem. Yeah. It's really stupid. Um, and, you know, the, the idea I think always used to be that you, you would, and I think when the industry worked best was superhero books and funny animal books were there for kids. Uh, and then when, you know, you grew out of them, then there was other books for you. There was horror books, there was crime books. There was things for you to grow into. You didn't stay on Spider-Man. You picked up Two-Fisted Tales or you picked up whatever. And that, that carried on into the 80s, you know, and uh, people, could, you could move out of, um, Batman, and then you would pick up, you know, American Flag or something. But at some point, someone got greedy, and Frank Miller made an adult Batman story. And now, <laughs> the the perception is that you have to make these stories for adults, um, and then kids don't want them. And 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 kids read comics like crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, more comics probably read by kids now than than there were when I was a kid for sure. And but they're reading Dogman. They're reading, you know, uh, Smile and Guts, and they they don't. None of those kids, they love the Iron Man movie. Not a single one of them is buying Iron Man comics. So, you know, it's a huge failure by the, Mar- the Marvel and DC uh, management and a lack of imagination. Um, but I think, you know, Valiant was that thing. It was like when I was 13, the idea was you would, I, I got sick of, I love Thor and everything else, but then I got sick of it because I started realizing it was always the same story, right? Of course it is. Yeah. You know, uh, Thor loses his hammer and he has to go on something and then he gets the hammer back and someone else is Captain America. You're like, oh, I see. It's a pattern, and they redo it every three years to keep the new audience. But I, then you move on to Valiant, and you're like, oh, this is a more sophisticated superhero sort of universe. That's what it was in the '90s. Uh, you know, it's a um, slightly more intelligent, more sophisticated, you know, middle ground, middle age superhero universe. And I, and I think, you know, that's the intent then. And for now, I, it's tough for Valiant to stand out in being an adult superhero thing because so is Spider-Man. Sure. So, you know, it, it, it makes it a little... And, and so for, for me, I'd rather make it... I'd rather make Bloodshot more accessible. I'd, I'd rather... Yes, it's heavy, but I don't want it to be adult. Like, I don't want it to be, you know, have themes that only old old men want. I want it to be themes that, that a 13-year-old boy might be interested in. So I, I think of the opposite. I don't want... I, I'm not making things just for old men anymore. It's, you know, it's just... This is not not superhero stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's why uh, you know when this book was first announced, I was excited to see Brett on there. I mean, obviously, I was excited to have you on there because I mean, I think you're a fantastic writer. But you know, I, I remember in the early '90s seeing Brett on like Stormwatch, for example, and and that book still holds a very special place in my heart. And so seeing a guy that worked on a book that I really loved uh, coming and doing this, even though you know I followed his DC work. Uh, it was cool to to see him kind of I don't know it was like reliving the you twelve know, year old me right reading reading Stormwatch yeah, sure and and I think there's there's a place for all those things um, 
you know, my my well, kids. Well, Brett, Brett's stuff appeals to. It it feels very visceral. It feels you know it's kind of sexy. It's line. It's very liney. So I think there's this sort of you you know you're you're getting what you paid for because you get all that detail and, yeah. and that that does appeal to like thirteen year old boys. Like that's that's part of the uh, appeal and that's great. I mean, we wanted that. We wanted this to be uh, appealing. Sort of. A, a fairly wide swath, like between 13-year-old boys and, and everybody else, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, to the point that you made earlier, I think uh, I have that with my kids. So I have two two young daughters, and they they don't read really any main, mainstream books. Uh, there's a couple horror books that they like, oddly enough. But uh, usually what, what I get from my kids ends up being Kickstarters because they oh, – really? th- Yeah, they, there's a lot of fantasy in Kickstarter. And so they they love the genre, and there's not a whole lot of that in mainstream. I mean, maybe an image in some of the companies, but uh, not not huge huge books. And they love reading in a trade format. And I think that does say something because the industry has moved quite a bit to writing for trade, right? And and even the run that you're doing, yeah. you know, most of the arcs are three three four issues, and so they they lend themselves uh, to that kind of, of storytelling. Um, I, I, I don't know yeah, I mean, what the middle ground is. Yeah. Padded. It's not padded out. It's like, an, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably priced trade. So, and it comes up quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is, I love the weekly article. I'm also aware that that's not going to be that way forever. I mean, no other, uh, comic industry is built like that. The Japanese market, the European market, they're mm-hmm. not done that way. It's yeah. just us. So, you know, we're going to change. It's just inevitable. There'll probably be more digital, more, you know, longer uh, collections. Um, you know, it's just it's just the way, and the COVID just exacerbated that. So uh, it was coming anyway, and, you know, everybody was kind of resistant. But, you know, there's still going to be room for comic stores, and there's still be room for that kind of community. But um, I, there's just no need to put out you know, a Blue Beetle comic every month anymore, right? It's like yeah. it's not, it's never going to sell what they need it to, and uh, and you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you would do it some kind of specialty thing. Like, there's core characters that superhero readers like, and everything else is kind of uninteresting to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's just tangential. Uh, so with with that same attitude going forward, you know, Val- Valiant's a a big shared universe, and I think for for a long time, what a lot of folks have wanted was some more interconnectedness between the titles. And obviously that gets a little hard when you're putting out less material or COVID or whatever other reasons. Uh, But in in issue eight, you have a a cameo from Exo Manowar. So tell me a little bit how that works, uh, the reasoning behind putting the character in. Obviously the book's coming back in November, so uh, it makes sense to bring him a little bit into the spotlight. But uh, tell me a little bit about writing Exo, because that's my favorite Valiant character. Um, yeah, he's awesome, and that was kind of my, um, you know, for a lot of us, I think Exo was your first intro to the universe, because you know, when the original Valiant books came out, and you know, they had Magnus, Robot Fighter, and stuff, that that didn't immediately interest me, uh, even though I went back and did enjoy it. But at first, like you see Exo, and you're like, wait, is Conan with Iron Man's armor? On? <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, I always liked that character, and, and but thematically we were always kind of going towards this thing in Bloodshot where, um, you know, the, the overall storyline has always been 
I'm sick of being controlled by everyone. Would I be better off either making myself unavailable or there will be a question later of or should I just control everybody else? And so obviously that would bump him into the superheroes, the other characters, because they wouldn't be super into that idea. Right. Um, and so you see that sort of set up here is just, you know, Bloodshot um, feels like he has to take care of these things that he feels are his fault, these um, the stuff they let out of the... Um, but then you know, it's, it's bound to attract attention of the other characters. So, um, and, you know, he and Exo know each other, they have history, but they don't, they aren't like great buddies or anything, and, and they could easily end up on the other side of, of any equation, right? So, yeah. um, so we kind of, you know, I had a, a story in mind that, uh, that kind of set up that tension uh, here. So, uh, and I want, and I definitely want to use some of the other characters too. I think, you know, Bloodshot is sort of the, he's kind of the like, in a way that kind of Captain America of the of the universe. He's kind of the guy that, you know, to some degree, he's the probably de facto uh, reluctant leader of a lot of these things. Like if you read The Valiant and a couple of these other things, he's always there. He's always um, drawn into this stuff, even though he doesn't want to be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What the so is the. Uh, issue eight is not the end of the arc, though, right? It's nine is the end of the arc. Wait, no, eight is the end of that arc. Then nine, ten, eleven. No, yes, nine is the end. Issue nine is the end of that arc. Okay, yeah. yeah. There you go. So yeah, yeah. Nine okay. is and ten, eleven, twelve is the other arc. Yep, that's right. Okay, so right now you have Bloodshot basically going up against an army of monsters. Okay, which I love. It, it gives me that call back to like uh, mid '90s Bloodshot, we just like fighting vampires and whatever uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. all the time. Yeah, that that was awesome. I mean, it's a little cheesy, and you know, some of it maybe doesn't work as well now, but uh, there's there's a place for it, and and I love it. I love that you have just like kaiju showing up out of nowhere. Uh, looked a little vine-like to me. Um, what what's the plan for Bloodshot after that? Because you know, if if you have you have like an escalation of of villains, right? You start off with something a little bit smaller, and you get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you kind of get this big thing, this big event. How does Bloodshot bounce back from that? Yeah, I mean that was kind of one of the original uh, through lines of my pitch was that you know let's let's give him some bad guys. He spent a lot of time fighting Project Rising Spirit, and um, I didn't want to do that again, so uh, I had come up with a couple of different, um, you know, adversaries for him. I always that that's kind of one of my big things when I take over any book is like, let's make stuff, let's add stuff, let's not take it away. So, um, so you know, we added a burned and we added uh, Eidolon, and then um, this next arc you'll see, uh, you know, uh, some more characters introduced, and then the last arc uh, is when we bring back one of the uh, my favorite um, Bloodshot Valiant villains. So he'll be a big part of that story too. So it, it all, and it picks up very much from the past issues and I think it kind of all ties ties everything up in a nice little bow, uh, you know, from, from Dwayne's run to, to Jeff's run to mine. Very good. I had a question about Eidolon's uh, power set. Um how exactly does this like DNA whisperer thing work out of curiosity? Cause I mean, you can do basically well, I mean, I, anything you want with it. Yeah. To some degree. 
I mean, her, you know, she's a, a Psyot like the other uh, Valiant um, sort of mutant type characters, and, and their powers are almost all in, in totally men, uh, mental based. They're sort of Psyot comes obviously from, from you know, uh, from brain stuff. So, um, yep. but her powers are sort of the, her brain recognizes uh, the the DNA or the um, the things in other people, and she can rewrite it, or she can copy it. Uh, she can, you know, basically mimic it over time. So she can take your skills. She can, uh, she can track you by your unique DNA. It's all in her brain. It's sort of like a, you know, this DNA resource center where she's able to, you know, uh, her brain is able to process that sort of psychically. Cool. Dig it. Uh, so what's next for Tim Seeley? I'm curious. What what's going on with Dark Red? Uh, Dark Red, we have. Another one coming out pretty soon. I think I'll announce that soon. And then um, I've got Money Shot every month. We got Vampire the Masquerade every month. I got um, what else? I got I have some DC stuff coming up, and uh, obviously Bloodshot. And then I think that's everything. Um, and I wrote a movie. There we go. So that's getting oh. shot now. So hopefully they'll announce that someday. Congratulations. Um, and then yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know, nothing to do on lockdown except right now. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, just doing, like, some other stuff. I'm teaching uh, again in uh, September. I teach a, a sort of comics course and a storyboarding course at Columbia College in Chicago. And um, I'm heavy metals uh, editor-in-chief, so, yeah, I'm always keeping busy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I, I, I was going to try to have Travis on. He's one of my co-hosts on the show. He's a, a massive heavy metal fan. He's got like decades worth of books, uh, so it's too bad he couldn't make it. But uh, you know, very cool. And Money Shot's fantastic. Uh, there's, uh, I have Appreciate a couple, it. a couple comic friends that just swear by that book. So uh, definitely pick that up if you haven't. Awesome. Uh, that's yeah, all I got for you, Tim. I, I appreciate right, your man. time, Thank man. You. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate.